Welcome to the Functional Nutrition Podcast. I'm your host, Erin Holt. I'm an integrative and functional medicine nutritionist with a feisty attitude in well over a decade of clinical experience. I work with women all over the world through my online programs. And I'm also the founder of the Functional Nutrition Academy, a school in practitioner mentorship where we help other clinicians level up with functional medicine methodologies. I've got a bone to pick with diet culture and the conventional healthcare model that are both systematically failing so many of us. Creating a new model is my life's work, and this is what this show's all about. Please keep in mind this podcast is created for educational purposes only and should never be used as a replacement for medical diagnosis or treatment. If you like what you hear today, I would love for you to subscribe to the show, leave a review in iTunes, share with a friend, and keep coming back for more. Now give me the mic so I can take it away. Hello, friends. I have an interesting episode for you today. It's a little unconventional because this is an interview that my friend Annie Hopkins actually did with me for her podcast, The Postpartum Revolution Podcast. Annie is a pelvic floor PT. She's the owner of Full Bloom Wellness. I have seen her for pelvic floor PT. I've talked about her on the show before. In fact, she has helped me with pelvic floor issues amongst other things. She's a friend and a colleague, and she invited me on her podcast to talk about boundaries specifically within the context of parenting. And the conversation was so good that I wanted you all to have direct access to it. Annie is, at the time of the show, was 34 weeks pregnant. She's about to have a baby. We have no idea when this episode is going to be released. And so I wanted to release it here for you all um, because we we tucked into some stuff. We definitely tucked into some stuff, um, not just about like how to set boundaries, but more importantly, why boundary setting can really conflict with our identity and why it's so hard because of that. So I love it. I wanted it to live here on the Functional Nutrition Podcast. Um, Loved chatting with Annie. So do be sure to check out her podcast, the Postpartum Revolution Podcast. And if you're looking for more help with this whole boundary setting thing after listening to today's show, I do have the boundaries course. You can access it through the link in um, the show notes. We'll put it there for you. So that gives you a lot more uh, practical strategies to practice some of these concepts that we talk about today. So with that said, here is our conversation. Hello, hello, and welcome to another episode of the Postpartum Revolution podcast. So happy my friend Erin Holt could join us today. Erin, welcome to the show. Hi, glad to be back. Yes, and I am so excited you agreed to come back because the hot topic of today is boundaries. So I, when I reached out to Erin, I said, you know, hey, I just noticed I was polling on Instagram and I said, hey, parents, like, what are some healthy boundaries that you uphold in your parenting life or in your life in general? And basically the answer that I got back was, LOL, what is that? I like, no, we don't have boundaries. And it just, it's something that has come up again and again. And I see it so often in practice as a public PT, because it's so hard to, you know, heal pelvic floor dysfunctions without boundaries, without, you know, um, having others just like constantly draining your energy. And I was like, haha. So if we don't know how to have boundaries, we're going to go to the boundary queen, Miss Erin Holt, Mrs. Erin Holt. Oh, I said Miss. Um, Ms. But anyway, Erin, your boundary courses, and I've learned so much from you. Um, how did that all like come into play? I mean, I'm, like, what's the what's the origin story here, and how did you grow boundaries and get so darn good at it that you now teach about it? Um, what's the origin story of my PDB, my public display of boundaries? Cause it, we definitely, like, I definitely have made a, like a little bit of a name for myself with boundaries, like not unintentionally. Um, but I would say that boundary setting for me was really born out of necessity. And I started in the workplace with my business because as my business grew, I was a one woman show for a very long time. I did not hire anybody, um, 
And so everything was all me all the time. And so as my business grew, as the amount of people that I interfaced with on a weekly or even daily basis grew, uh, I recognized that I had to do something to sort of manage my own energy and protect my own energy. Otherwise, I'm like, this is a one-way track to burnout. And burnout for practitioners is like a real thing. It's it's all, you know, I shouldn't even say practitioners, like for anybody, especially if you're a woman in the business space, because there's this idea that if you're a woman in business, you really should just show up and serve. And if you don't show up and serve, then you don't care hard enough. You don't care enough. So there's this expectation built in that if somebody's there asking, or dare I say demanding in some situations, my attention that I should give it. Um, and I'm kind of a bitch and a bad guy if I don't. And so I realized that I had to, if I didn't want to burn out, which I absolutely didn't, because if I burn out, then I can't do this work anymore. And if I can't do this work anymore, then that's a lot of people that don't get access to the help that I can offer. So I knew I didn't want to burn out. And so boundary setting became for me, the anecdote to burnout. And it has worked really well. <laughs> and, um, why I've been talking about boundaries for years, like shouting it from the rooftops. This stuff is so important. It is so important. And, you know, it's, it's, um, it's important as a woman in business. And I think it's just important as a woman in general. And I think that's kind of the the feedback that I got. It's like boundaries, like, oh, I get to have space for myself. I get to say no to people and not be a selfish bitch. Like, wh- what does that even mean? Because, you know, it it's, not modeled to us and not socially acceptable for women to do all of this. And again, like I've, I've seen the trend and you, I'd love to hear your thoughts on this too, of like, as parenting has seemed to evolve, like our generation of parents now are just like 150% invested in their day-to-day. They can't say no to demands. You know, they, they're like a bad mom if they, take time to themselves. Um, and people just seem to be very like overwhelmed and under supported, you know, and we have access to all this information about how we could be doing better or how we could be doing more, but we also lack like the social infrastructure to actually achieve any of those goals because we are in this like independent kind of, um, society versus like a community oriented society. And so I really, you know, the postpartum phase, the post, why I want to do it, the postpartum revolution is like, this needs to change. You know, we have to avoid burnout as a person, you know, as, as a parent, as a business person, as whatever. Um, but it's really so hard with the, with the pushback of like, oh, you're not giving a hundred percent. It's not hustle culture, grind culture, all of that kind of stuff. Like, what are you even doing? Like, are you even being a good mom right now? Are you even being a good boss bitch? Like, <laughs> I, that was never a goal of mine, but now so more than ever, I'm like, no, I I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't want to go there. You know what I mean? But then when you look towards like the social media and the culture and all of that stuff, people are just like, we see you girl grinding it out. You're so good. It's like validating without actually like supporting. So I don't know. I mean, where, where do we even start? finding that space in our lives to like set down like also like how do we even know what our boundaries are like what Aaron yeah like right like how do we even figure this out step one like I I feel like people see that and they're like yes that looks really good that sounds really good to me what the hell do I do to start like help Well, that, you know, people are like, how do I set boundaries? I'm like, I don't know if that's the question that we should be asking. I think the question is, why is it so hard for us to set boundaries? I think we need to like back up a few clicks. You just said a lot and you brought up parenting. And I think maybe we'll get to that later because I think we have to start with the foundations. I I used work as an example. So I started setting boundaries in work long before I started setting them with my family <laughs> because mm. that is the real work. Like let's, mm. let's start with something a little less hostile, you know, uh, work. I, I think once you start to implement some of these strategies in your family of origin, because for a lot of us, we learned how to not 
have boundaries in our family of origin. And then all of a sudden we're going to try to set boundaries in our family of origin. Oh dear God. Um, and I always joke that like in my family, I'm like, when I'm with my family, uh, like my brothers, my parents, I'm the least evolved version of myself. <laughs> You know, I like revert back to a 13 year old. I'm like yelling at my mom. I'm like yelling at my brothers. I'm like, this is, this is not, uh, this is not good. Um, but I think with parenting, parenting can such be, can be such a, like a, a minefield of triggers that I don't necessarily know if this is the place where we want to start. So why don't we kind of talk about boundaries as more of a concept and then we can drill into more of the parenting. Cause I agree with so much of what you're saying. And I think maybe this generation of parents have like pendulum swung in the other direction, perhaps a little too hard. I mean, how do we find yeah. balance? We kind of have to swing back and forth between the extremes. And I think because we're so aware of trauma, big T, little T, we're so aware of how our words and our behaviors can influence the brains and even the health, mental health, physical health of our children. We don't want to do anything that's going to fuck them up. Right. <laughs> and yeah. so we're hyper aware. Yeah. And so now we're like, you know, we're, we're, we're almost like too nervous to create any structure. So we can get into that, but I think just by, just let's start by identifying what boundaries are. Um, I love what Rachel Rogers says, which is boundaries aren't about saying no to other people. Boundaries are about saying yes to yourself. And mm -hmm. so I want to be really clear as we start this conversation that boundary setting is not saying my needs are the most important needs. It's just saying my needs matter period. That's it. Right. Which for some of us is a radical concept. Um, but having healthy boundaries is really just being able to identify your own preferences, your own desires, your own limitations, like your limits, your thresholds, what you're available for, what you're not available for, what your non-negotiables are. And then to have the ability to effectively communicate these things. So this, this is really saying like, I have to know what my needs are and I have to communicate them. So there's two real big things going on here. And so much of this boils down to knowing yourself, which a lot of people don't, knowing what your needs are, identifying your needs, which a lot of people don't, and then prioritizing your needs. Prioritizing your needs is really predicated on having some self-worth. And so we just have to start with the foundations because like right out of the gate, listening to this, like half of us are like, we're screwed. No, I was just like, oh my God, you're, that's, you are so right. Like, yeah, parenting, hot ticket right there. Like, cause then you boil it down to these basic steps and it's like, okay, okay. I know I like uh, vanilla ice cream more than chocolate. Is that good? Because this is a whole thing, right? And then and did I just communicate that well? I don't think so. I sounded like meek and humble and like unsure, you know, because yeah, we've never been asked. And if we've been asked, has it actually come to fruition? And if it came to fruition, did it come with a price? You know, did it come to with like, oh yeah, you can have your, your thing, whatever you want, but you have to double down on work or you have to you know, make other people uncomfortable or there's some sort of repercussion. So, oh my God, your approach is just like, okay, let's, let's start. It sounds like you have a path first identify and self-worth yeah, dear Lord. That's right. You've mentioned that too. Well, dear Lord. You know, you were talking about social <laughs> media and like the, like the memes and the tweets and all the things that we see on social media. And we're like, hell yeah, reshare, reshare, reshare. One of those things that I see circulated around is this idea that access to your energy is a privilege. And man, mm. do I love that. And I, I will co-sign on that. I believe that that is true, but that, that statement in buying into that statement really, really is predicated on having a certain level of self-worth. And many of us do not feel that our worthiness is innate. We feel it has to be earned. I think it was Carl Rogers that really talked about this idea of conditions of self-worth, like our self-worth is conditional. And um, we often learn this in our family of origin 
or in, you know, different uh, communities in which we grew up in or were raised in. And then it can be reinforced those beliefs that our self-worth is conditional. Like I have to work really hard. Um, I have to get straight A's. I have to be a good little girl. Uh, I don't have needs. Like silencing my own needs is the way that I can be of value. There's, there's a whole list of things that, or a whole list of conditions that our worth might feel like it's, it's, um, it's contingent upon. And then we, we go through life and this belief, these ideas can be reinforced through our experiences. It can be reinforced through our culture. It can be reinforced through the media, it can be reinforced through our own brain. Um, our brains are really good at finding what is already hard, hardwired in. So if you've got beliefs about yourself, your brain is an is a, a very efficient at finding evidence that that is true. So if you believe in order to feel worthy, I have to work really hard. I have to do the most. Your brain is going to search for evidence that that belief is true. It thinks it's like doing you a solid, you know, by doing that. Um, but it becomes very efficient at looking for that. And so it's going to search for evidence. So then that becomes proof positive of like, oh, oh my gosh. Okay. So this really is true. I'm seeing evidence that this is true. It really is true. So the self-worth one is, is it's a biggie, especially for those of us who are socialized as women in this culture. And I think that if we're talking about why boundary setting is so hard, we really have to look at those beliefs about ourselves. Um, we have to look at the societal norms. You kind of touched upon this, the societal norms, the expectations of women, of moms. I, I remember I had a client who said to me, we expect women to be accessible and to nurture. And I was like, that's a bar. You just dropped a bar with that yes. one right there. I think about the, like the highest compliment you can pay a mother is she's so selfless. So yes. that we're really reinforcing this idea that in order to be a good mother, in order to really provide that necessitates that we essentially give up our sense of self. If we have no sense of self, then we don't have needs. How the hell are we going to communicate our needs? How the hell are we going to have boundaries if we've essentially like co-signed on this idea that in order to be good, in order to have value, I don't have any needs. I don't even have a sense of self. Hey, let's take a quick break so we can talk about low sugar nutrition. I'm always looking for kind of quick and dirty ways to pack in extra nutrition, polyphenols, antioxidants, fibers for my gut, and even herbs for my stress response, like the more adaptogens, the better, which is why I use Organifi powders every day, several times a day. I love to put them into my water. This is great if you're one of those people that struggles to just get enough hydration, get enough water. And if you feel like water's really boring, these powders can zhuzh it up for you. My kiddo loves them. She feels like she's drinking juice. I also throw them into my smoothies just as a way to get some extra nutrition. My personal favorite is the red juice. So it has lots of different red powders Things like acai, cranberry, pomegranate, strawberry, raspberry, blueberry, all of those polyphenol-rich red and blue powders. And if you've listened to the show or you've seen me on Instagram, you've heard me talk about the benefits of these powders. They feed a very unique and particular type of bacteria in your gut called Acromantia. Acromantia is a keystone player. It's wicked important for keeping your gut healthy and strong. It prevents leaky gut. It also is very important for metabolic health and insulin signaling and controlling blood sugar. Now, unfortunately, I do a lot of stool tests on people and see that acromantia is low, sometimes even below detectable limits. That's a real bummer. Some of the bacteria in our guts are little piggies. They'll eat anything. And then some bacteria are more like snobby foodies that will only eat specific things. This acromantia bacteria loves to eat red polyphenols. So the more red foods you can eat, the better. And getting red powders 
is super important as well. So the red juice is something that you can grab super easy and it's low sugar. All of Organifi's powders are under three grams of sugar per serving and most of them offer up fiber as well to counteract any spike in blood sugar. So highly recommend. I throw them in my smoothie so I can pack in a bunch of veggies without adding a ton of fruit that might spike my blood sugar and I can still make them sweet and palatable. Go to Organifi's website, Organifi.com. You can click the link in the show notes. Be sure to use the code FUNK. It will save you 20% off of every single order you ever place. You get a good deal and you get to support all the good things in your body too. We also want to thank our other show sponsor. When I start to feel my stress and anxiety kick it up a notch, like Emerald Lagasse, I personally lean on Ned's De-Stress Blend. It's a certified organic formula that features two powerful plant compounds, CBD, and then the lesser known CBG, which is considered the mother of all cannabinoids because of how effective it is for anxiety and stress. De-Stress Blend also features ashwagandha, one of my favorite adaptogens, And I think I say that about all the adaptogens, but ashwagandha was my gateway into adaptogenic herbs. So I do have a special love for it. Invest in yourself and fortify your stress response. Get 15% off of Ned's de-stress blend with code FUNK. Go to helloned.com forward slash FUNK or enter code FUNK at checkout. That's H-E-L-L-O-N-E-D.com slash F-U-N-K to get 15% off. Thank you, Ned, for sponsoring the show and offering our listeners a natural remedy for some of life's most common health issues. Yeah. Wow. I mean, so like Full disclosure, I'm sitting over here 34 weeks pregnant, about to be a first-time mom. And all of these questions have been in my head. Like, am I because so I'm I'm 40. I've done a lot of work on myself, you know, all these different things. I feel pretty solid about who I am. And yet I still feel confronted and I feel like getting this push from this cult, these cultural things that you just described, like it, you know, oh, I'm so selfless. And I'm like, I'm not always selfless. Like I take care of me first because it's been me for so long or me and, you know, my, my lovely husband. And like, it makes me even a little bit nervous. Like, am I going to shift into this culture, even despite being fully aware because of what you said about the brain, like it's going to be looking for these things, right? These, these kind of confirmations in the world of like, yeah, you're not worthy unless you blah, 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 unless you abandon all of your hobbies and, you know, completely focus on your child first, child first, child first, child first. And like, it's even making me nervous. Man. And I'm like, I'm feeling pretty good about myself, my life, all that stuff. And yet like this thing is just so real. So I just wanted to point that out too, because it's not like you know, in that confirmation thing, that confirmation kind of bias thing, like when one of the stories that I've had to mess around with in my life has been like, you're better than this or you're not good enough. Right. Um, And so if anyone listening is like, oh, I'm not good enough. Or like, I, I don't even know where to start. I haven't done any work. I'm like helpless. No, like I've done the work and I'm still, this thing is such a monster. Mm. It's still going to pressure like even me. So the fact that anyone chooses to even step into this work at all, like standing ovation, bravo, brava, all of the things. So just wanted to put that out there that like what you're talking about still rings true, even after taking your boundaries course and being like, yeah, I got this. And then I'm like, I got this. I need to talk to Aaron again. <laughs> we, yeah, it, it, this is a therapy session. Welcome. Yes. Um, I, I'm just kidding. I don't mean to like, you know, if no. there's actual therapists, like licensed no. therapy, like jokes, making jokes. Yes. Um, but you know, you're talking a lot about this like cultural, uh, program and what we also have to understand that's sort of at play here is what Gabor Mate refers to as a clash between two essential needs. So we, two of our like real core needs are attachment and authenticity. 
And nine times out of 10, if we have to choose, if we're put in a position to choose one or the other, we are going to choose attachment. So attachment is really this drive for connection, for closeness, for proximity to others. It's being part of the group. It's kind of being accepted by the proverbial tribe right? And it is a need. It's absolutely a need. We are communal beings. We need to be part of a group. The other need is authenticity, which is really just being true to oneself. It's the capacity to shape our own life from a knowledge of ourselves. It's knowing ourselves. It's understanding our gut feelings our emotions, our intuition, and it's honoring those things. It's making decisions based off of those things. Um, it's being the author of your own life versus letting somebody else write your life for you. And this is, I have to read this quote verbatim because there's no way I can do it justice uh, like he did. But he says, if the choice is between hiding my feelings, even from myself, in getting the basic care I need, and being myself in going without, I'm going to pick that first option every single time. Thus, our real selves are leveraged bit by bit in a tragic transaction where we secure our physical or emotional survival by relinquishing who we are and how we feel. Gabor Mate, my dude, he's dropping some bars, you know? And so we think about how much you have done that. You have sacrificed the self as a way to meet your other need, which is being part of the group. And so again, when I say, how do we set boundaries is a small potatoes <laughs> question <laughs> because it's like, we really have to unpack all of the underpinnings of why this work is so, so hard. So if you're identifying with all of this, of course, boundary setting is going to be challenging. Of course it is. Sometimes setting boundaries might actually conflict with your own identity. If you identify as being a nurturer, a giver, a helper, a caretaker, a peacekeeper, a, peasel, a people pleaser, which by the way, are all of the things our society tells us a mother, a good mother must be. So if you're doing it, if you're being a good woman, if you're being a good mother, <laughs> then hey, guess what? Setting boundaries will absolutely conflict with your identity, with your beliefs about yourself. So yeah, it's really, really hard work. <laughs> yeah. And, and, the other, I always think of beauty industry, diet culture, all of those things that have been like basically like baked into our DNA since childhood and how they just completely keep that message flying at our faces. You're not enough. You're not enough. You're not, you're not thin enough, fat enough, pretty enough, tan enough, whatever enough. So again, coming back to that self-worth, we are encapsulated in a culture, a capitalistic culture that thrives off of us believing that we're not worthy of anything. So when you say things like you have to be work, you have to feel like, you know, that you have inherent or any self-worth or listen to your gut, listen to your intuition. All of these things have been, you know, culturally like removed from our own thing. Like my intuition, I think I'm beautiful. Oh, 17 sources told me that I'm not beautiful unless I have that eyeliner or wear that bikini. Oh, Okay. So it's, we've been continually like drained of even the chance to listen or nurture that part of ourselves for a really long time. I mean, yeah. And man, Gabor Mate, he just, that is a good quote. Like, damn. Yeah. He knows what he's doing. I'll say that. I'll say that. And you know, um, that, that, that was from his most recent book, the quote that I just read, um, the myth of normal there, but I've been following his work for years and years and years. And I want to, um, his 
international bestseller when the body says no. I think that's a lot of where um, a lot of us came in on his work was was through that book. So Gabor Mate, in case you're not familiar, he is a physician, a medical doctor, and he would um, early in his career, he would go around and he would work with a lot of patients that had a lot of different diseases, everything from MS to autoimmune disease to cancer. And he started to realize in talking to people and having conversations with people that folks that ended up with a illness, there was a lot of common characteristics and a lot of personality traits that, um, that overlap. And so there's a list that he put together in that book, and I'll share some of the things with you. So these are characteristics of people who are diagnosed with some type of chronic condition, chronic uh, ailment, illness, the need to feel in control, the inability to say no, unable to pace oneself, unable to assert feelings, putting the self last having unmet needs, sacrificing one's own needs to be of service to others, the inability to ask for help, lack of boundaries with parents, and lack of emotional competence. So I have this list for years and years and years. I've had this list. And when I started to think more about boundary work and started to investigate boundaries and over-functioning and codependency and this whole cluster of, like, I was really trying to answer the question, why is boundary setting so hard for us? The list that I organized of like, how to know if you don't have boundaries or how to know, or, you know, like people who struggle with boundaries. And the list was almost an exact replica of Gabor Matei's list. So I was like, holy smoke, setting boundaries oh is healthcare. Setting boundaries is a way to support our health. Like it was like on paper, it was like, by George, she's got it. And that's when I started to, you know, boundary setting, setting became less self-preservation for me in my business. And it became more of a rally cry for the, the people that listen to my podcast, that listen, that consume my work, that my clients that I work with, I'm like, no, 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 we have to do this if we want to care for our overall health, like we have to do this. If we want to get out of this thing alive, if we want to survive like this, this is the real deal stuff. So I became so impassioned with really talking about boundaries as a form of healthcare because of, of this work. Um, essentially, many of us are raised and we're conditioned to put everyone else's needs above our own. And what that, what happens there is our physical and mental health can suffer. And so we have to find a way to care for ourselves while also caring for other people. Boundary setting does not mean you stop caring for other people. Boundary setting does not mean you don't give an F about other people. Boundary setting just puts you on your own plate. It puts you as one of the priorities in your life. And it can be as simple as that if we let it be. All right. You have all asked me for an official update. I've been using Kian Aminos for every single day for months now. And so I've gotten enough DMs to know that I get to address it here. I will say what I've seen for myself, definitely enhanced muscle growth. I mean, you wouldn't look at me and be like, whoa, she swole, but I can tell. And I'm putting up heavier weights a lot easier and I don't get sore. So I'm like more likely to, I'm lifting more because I don't have like have that muscle fatigue or just like that soreness. So strong recommend. This is why Kian Aminos really is my fundamental supplement for fitness. You can naturally boost energy, build lean muscle, enhance athletic recovery. It's backed by over 20 years of clinical research, highest quality ingredients, no fillers, no junk. It undergoes rigorous quality testing and it tastes amazing. My personal faves are the mango and the lime. If you're looking for flavors to try, you can save 20% on monthly deliveries and 10% off one-time purchases. Go to get Kion.com forward slash funk. That's G-E-T-K-I-O-N.com slash F-U-N-K to get my fundamental supplement for fitness, Kion Aminos. This one is for my low-carby Barbies. If you're struggling with headaches, muscle cramps, or fatigue on a low-carb diet, you are probably low in electrolytes. This is for two reasons. One is that whole foods, keto, or low-carb diets are low in sodium. When you cut out packaged foods, you basically cut out your main dietary, dietary sources of sodium. 
Also, you excrete more sodium in a carb-restricted state. But the good news is that replenishing electrolytes can really rectify symptoms pretty darn quickly. Element is my personal electrolyte of choice. It's super yummy, has everything you need and nothing you don't. The reality is every single person needs electrolytes, but if you're active or you're on a low-carb diet, you really extra need electrolytes to feel and perform your best. Right now, Element is offering my listeners a free sample pack with any purchase. That's eight single-serving packets for free with an Element order. It's a great way to try all the flavors, or you could share them with a friend. Get yours at drinkelement.com forward slash funk. That is D-R-I-N-K-L-M-N-T dot com forward slash F-U-N-K. Element offers a no questions asked refund so you can try it risk-free. Yeah. Wow. Because as you were saying that, I was like, you know, there are so many cultures in the world that are community-based cultures. You know, Japan comes to mind where, you know, people people attend to the good of the community. But then also, I think, because I was like, well, then how does that work with boundaries? But at the end, we're just saying, like, you're just putting yourself on the list. You're putting yourself on the plate. Like, it's it can exist. And if you're in a real, like, community-minded place, someone is also thinking about you. And I think that's a difference in America as, you know, raised, you know, conditioned as male, conditioned as female kind of stuff. Um men take and, you know, have their own um, set of rules versus women. And this is like old school stuff. And I really hope it goes away. (laughs) And like getting rid of the binary, I'm totally in support of. But here we are, you know, having been conditioned as 80s babies, 90s babies, as you know, women serve men, and men just take. So in our cultural community, in our partnerships, in our homes, and all of that stuff, like, it's not a total community care kind of thing. Like who's putting us on the list, if not us at this time. So yeah, that's, and isn't that kind of a, I think why some of your your work and some of your stuff is so powerful is that it's just like a loving slap in the face. Like we're not talking about dissing everybody and becoming like this tower of, you know, isolated power. We're talking about just like, putting yourself out, putting yourself on your own to-do list. And it's like, damn, I don't even do that. It's like such a wake up reality check, but it works. Yeah. Like, unfortunately, fortunately, I don't know in the world that I work at, I, or in the world that I work in, I usually am seeing people once they Mm -hmm. hit crisis mode after years of not putting themselves on their own to-do list. And then it becomes like a, a major problem. Then we're like putting out a fire and I, and I will continue to show up and do that work forever. But I also want to use my platform as a way to say like, hey, it doesn't have to be this way. We don't have to let things get to crisis mode before we take some action steps. I did. I unfortunately did. You know, like I had to have like a really scary wake up call in a doctor's office before I was like, oh shit, I have to be a priority in my life. Um, and then it's been years of unlearning and and deprogramming. Um, But I am still a wildly compassionate person. And I think we need more compassion. So this isn't this, this, this conversation isn't about like care less about other people don't have compassion for other people. But I do think, I do think that we have to understand the difference between empathy and compassion. Because what I see a lot of times in people without boundaries, we can go into over-functioning, right? So it's like the idea that I have to do all the things, be, you know, be all of the things for all of the people. And many of us have this belief that like, hey, if I make myself indispensable, then no one will leave me. This is how I receive love. If I can be the best at everything I do, this will protect me from getting hurt. If I can do it all myself, I won't be a burden. And so we can move into this over-functioning. And when we do that, there can be like a little whisper of codependency with that, um, which I think is very misunderstood. I really love the work of Terry Cole when she when it comes to codependency, she really helps me understand that codependency, it's not being overly dependent on somebody, which is what I originally thought. It's actually being overly invested in other people, like overly invested where you're kind of like 
taking what's their responsibility and making it your responsibility. You're like reaching your hand over into their pot and stirring it up a little bit so they don't have to do their work because you're going to do it for them, right? You're invested in their their decisions, in their feelings, in their outcomes, in their circumstances, almost more so than they are in their own lives. So that's kind of codependency. And I'll put my hand up because man, when I learned that, I was like, shit, I'm codependent. (laughs) Oh no. But it really goes, you can see how it goes hand in hand with over-functioning, with lack of boundaries, with burnout. It's like all the same picture. And so when I start to have this conversation, a lot of folks will talk to me about empathy. I'm an empath. And I really want to kind of help folks understand the difference uh, between empathy and compassion from a brain-based perspective. The brain networks that are associated with compassion and empathy don't even overlap a little bit. So when we are experiencing empathy, the brain regions associated with pain in negative emotions become active. Whereas, yes, I know, appropriate reaction is like, holy smokes, what? Um, when we are experiencing compassion, it's a totally different brain network. It's the uh, brain regions that are associated with positive emotions, with feelings of connection, uh, with the ability to see something from somebody else's perspective. So empathy, and I think there's a little bit of a, um, well, I'm an empath. I feel other people's feelings. And that might be another way to feel a sense of worth, a sense of belonging. Like this is my role here. I, one of my mentors, Aaron Telford referred to it as the designated feeler of the family. I think this like empathy can sometimes be a trauma response. Like, Hey, I'm looking around these knuckleheads can't figure this shit out. So I'm going to run all their emotions through my own little body. I'll probably have some IBS along the way. (laughs) I'm going to get some tummy aches with this, Mm -hmm. but this is what I'm going to do. This is my role. This is how Mm -hmm. I find a place in the tribe. This is how I have a sense of worth here. This is how I don't have to be a burden. This is how I can fit in. This is how I can receive love. So is it empathy or is it a trauma response? I don't know. But empathy sort of by definition is very unintentional and automatic. Like it's not a conscious process. It's not like a, I am making a decision to go in and feel this. It's just boom, it's happening. And it's, it's essentially like a vicarious experience where you're feeling other people's emotions. And it can oftentimes even feel like physical sensations in your own body. So from a brain perspective, these, the neural networks recognize the emotion in you. I see that you're experiencing something hard and I see that it's in you, but it, I also experience it as though it's my own, as though it's happening to me. And sometimes empathy can give rise to compassion, but oftentimes it gives rise to something known as empathic distress, which is basically just feeling super overwhelmed. This is burnout. Empathy leads to fatigue. Empathy leads to burnout. Compassion does not. You've heard the term compassion fatigue. It's kind of a misnomer. It doesn't really Mm -hmm. exist. Empathy fatigue. Yes, that's real. Compassion fatigue. It really isn't a thing. And so when we're talking about boundaries, how do you set a boundary with somebody if your whole entire uh, dynamic with everybody else in your life is predicated on you feeling their shit for them? But what I think is really interesting, and I'm saying all of this to help people reframe in their mind so we can actually start to take this information and start to take some like power moves and action steps in our life and start to rewrite the narrative a little bit. Um, when I think about this, when I really boil it down and, and give this a lot of thought, empathy is basically saying, I don't think, and this is codependency too. I don't think you can do this for yourself. I don't feel like you have the capacity for this. I don't think you are strong enough to withstand this pain. So I'm going to take it on 
for you. And when we do that, when we take somebody's pain from them, we don't give them the opportunity to process it, to move through it. We don't give them the opportunity to heal that for themselves. So empathy can actually be quite disempowering for the other person. Whereas compassion, the way that I see compassion, compassion really provides a healing for everybody. If I sit here in my own space, I recognize the suffering in you. Like I see you suffering and I want to alleviate your suffering and I want to sit with you and acknowledge your suffering and even hold your hand through it, even help guide you to take some action steps to move you through it. I'm not turning away from your suffering, but I'm also not experiencing it as though it's my own. I'm not, my brain isn't recognizing it as me. It's seeing it as you. So I am here in my own space, in my own energy, witnessing you fully and completely. But I'm also trusting that you are strong enough and you have the resilience to hold yourself through this thing as well. And so I think that we have to really unpack a lot of this, these interpersonal dynamics, how we show up in relationships and ask, is it is this still really working out for me? Is this working out for me? Is this working out for everybody else? Or is it time for a little bit of an update on some of these programs? Update the programs, man. That is, yeah, because as you were just talking through all of that, I was like, yeah, that's what our current programming for motherhood looks like. You know what I, you know, the the martyr mother, right? The The women of the generations before us who sacrificed everything and then woke up empty nester and retirement and you know had no sense of purpose and no sense of self and no energy or and then their health was gone so it's like I feel like our generation has seen that and we're like well we definitely don't want that because I or at least for myself I don't know if other people but you know it's like okay I definitely don't want to wake up one day feeling like a shell of myself because I have emptied myself into my family, into my children and how you just described empathy and compassion. I really can see like it was, yeah, the image that came to my mind was like this gentle, warm bubble of compassion that like enveloped me and hopefully like warmed the person in front of me. And the empathy was just this like floodgates of opening of rushing forward and like Floods don't leave much behind for, you know, the waterways or whatever. Um, And so, yeah, I think even just that shift, I know it's going to serve me really well in how I move forward with life and parenting and all that stuff. But yeah, just that small little reframe. So yes, let's update these programs. And also, I love how you say things like, let's update the programs because it's not a personal failure that we are experiencing things like this. Again, this is like how we've been raised, conditioned. It's it's just it's just how things are. It's not, or at least that's how I've started to feel. It's just how things are. It's not how I am. It's not my fault. You know, it's not like I'm. I've been consciously choosing to <laughs> floodgate all of my energy out to people for decades. Like that's not would choose that right an idiot would choose that and I feel like what I've discovered in my own life is when I followed that trail back of like oh I did this to myself like the adrenal issues HPA axis dysregulation all of that stuff like um which is how I came to know and love you is through your hormone revival in 2019 and it was just like where did this show up from like what <laughs> like nothing changed I wasn't I didn't have like this illness or anything I just was zapped and I was done my body was done and so one of the things that I've had to reframe for myself is like I didn't do this to myself who would consciously choose that and I feel like some of the messaging that's out there that does imply and and again through my lens as a pelvic health PT that implies like well if you just did x y and z better or more or something you would feel better but you're actively choosing not to make those choices so you deserve whatever you're getting. And that is so harmful because then it, it's also like, what do you think I'm an idiot? Do you think I would, I'm choosing this path? Like, no, <laughs> no, like, come on, you know? And, and 
Yeah. So that even just that languaging that you use during the reframe is so powerful. We're updating a program. We're not like fixing what's wrong with us as a moral human being, like in our soul, because we didn't no. opt in. We just were opted in. Someone else opted into this. And it's a big statement to be like, ah, I think I want to opt out of this. So anyway. Yeah. yeah. And re- rarely does anything good come out of self-blame, self-flagellation, shame, you know, yeah. like it's, it usually doesn't produce the results that we really want. So like, maybe no. that's the thing that we sort of retire. We can lay that on the fire and say a good day to you. <laughs> um, I'm ready to choose a new path for this. Um, you know, when we're, when you're talking about updating the program, um, you had mentioned that at the very beginning, that boundary setting is not modeled to us. And you've also said that boundary parents are kind of laughing at you when you ask about boundaries, because they're like, what boundaries? But isn't this a very beautiful way to update the program is by being the model, being the change, you know, that we would like to see. Um, And this is exactly the way that I look at boundary setting within my own family unit. Um, For context, I have one daughter, she's about to turn nine. And we, and honestly choosing this, this might be a little bit of an inflammatory statement. I never talk about parenting because nobody loses their shit faster than a parent. (laughs) So whenever I say this, I'm like, I'm always like disclaimer, 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 this is the appropriate choice for me. I am not saying it's the appropriate choice for you. Okay. So like, let's get that out of the way. Um, but part of, we, we chose, not everybody has the privilege of this decision. We chose to have one child. That was the appropriate choice for me. Cause I had not figured out how to do it all over again and not completely sacrifice myself. And I was at the point in my life, in my career and in my health journey where I was done with the self-sacrifice. So I will just post that little disclaimer. Um, but it is not a radical concept in my home that mom has needs. It is not. Everybody gets on board with the fact that mom, just like dad, just like kiddo, also has needs. And I stand by that with conviction. So I model this behavior because as parents, we want nothing more than to watch our children thrive. But if we're just talking about it, if we're just talking a big game, but not showing them actively how we participate in this, how we care for ourselves, you know, it's just words. So we sit there and we tell them you can do, be, have anything, sky's the limit. But if we're not modeling that behavior, how are they really going to learn? And so I take this responsibility very seriously, modeled behavior. I don't always get it right. I'm a human, but damn, do I try my best when it comes to my kid. Um, And I think we also have to stop looking at setting boundaries as a bad thing. Boundaries can create feelings of safety for children. I'm not a parenting expert, but this I know is true because I came from a product of not having many boundaries put on. My mom did the old pendulum swing. She had very severe discipline in her fa- in her family of origin with her parents. And so she's like, oh, I'm not going to do that. So instead, I'm going to do the exact opposite. And so we didn't have a ton of structure because that's how she thought that she would show up. We didn't have a ton of discipline. We didn't have a ton of parameters. We didn't really ever, we kept trying to bump up against the edge of the container, but it was hard to find because there was nobody there really holding the container and saying no. Um, And so I say that as somebody who feels very safe when a boundary is set with me, when a container gets open, let's say I'm working with a new practitioner or I sign up with a new coach, 
I want them to explicitly say, here's what you get in this program. Here is the start. Here's the finish. Here's what's to expect in between. That makes me feel so good, so grounded, and so safe. And children are really the same way. So setting boundaries, creating parameters, creating some infrastructure can really help help kiddos feel safe. So we have to, if, if you want a new word for it, it doesn't have to be boundaries if that feels too hard for you, but maybe it's just structure. You know, maybe that feels a little bit better. And I will say, I, I have had at least a hundred separate people say this to me, watching you set boundaries in your own life gives other, or gives me the permission to do the same in my life. And wouldn't you think the same thing would be true for kiddos too? I sure do. Yeah. I mean, absolutely. I'm one of those 100 people that have said that. I'm like, yeah. All right. I watched Aaron do it. I can do it too. Okay. One, two, three, go. And it's not (laughs) as scary as it has seemed. And it's not, it's like the world hasn't ended. And I've only felt better about myself and my life and my, whatever the situation was that required it. And that's exactly right. I learned it from watching you in real time. So yeah, I mean, same with kids, right? And I don't think that's harsh parenting. You you don't, to me, come across as like, I'm telling you how to parent. But, you know, you're just describing your own experience and the positive results that it seems to have had and will continue to have with all of your children, your one biological child. And how many followers on Instagram do you have now? Like, a million. Yeah. Instagram <laughs> followers, definitely the same thing as procreating your own children. Definitely. Yeah, same, 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 right? Mm-hmm. Totally. All of your children um, have benefited from <laughs> your boundaries. And, you know, even just the simple, the, the one of the memes or jokes that drives me the most crazy is when it's like the mom joke of like, oh, I, like I, I tried to poop without a toddler on my lap today, you know, like, the, the, the what bar are we setting if the boundary of even closing the door to poop and again pelvic health those are things that I care about constipation bowel habits all that stuff as you know in your work too hello we need to get our gut regulated and healthy and one of the things is if you have a toddler that like literally won't stop talking sitting on your lap while you're pooping how is your nervous system resting and digesting opening your pelvic floor to like release the bowels. If you can't even get that time to yourself, when of course, conversely, your husband, the joke then is, you know, your husband goes and sits on the toilet for half an hour, takes his phone, sits in there, you know, and like, I just saw one like, oh, when the meme dump from your husband hits, you know, he's on the toilet. It's like, (laughs) I mean, I'm like, ha ha ha, that's funny. But also when the meme dump from mom hits, you know, they're on the toilet. Like I want it both ways, but it's, you know, so. (laughs) It's so funny because it's like very true. You know, it really is true. Yeah. If you're getting like memes and reels from me, I'm on the toilet. That's that's what's happening in case anyone wonders. Um, Again, it's, it's, I just want to take all of those people that comment like, yeah, me too. Ha ha ha. LOL. Like, no, set that boundary. Like, shut the door, have your kids scream, have your partner take them away so you can't hear them scream. Like, please, please, please make space for your own daily bodily elimination function. Can we start? Yeah. It will, like, in my neck of the woods, what I tend to see, you know, is I'm too busy to eat, or like, mom doesn't eat because, or she's eaten like the scribbity scraps of like the leftover chicken nuggets and the cold coffee. Like, I've never microwaved my coffee once hear me, hear me. I drink my coffee hot. Don't get it twisted. This is Mm -hmm. what I mean when I say like mom has needs. Mom has a morning routine. Mom has appetite. Mom has to be fed just like kiddos. And so granted, you know, it's probably a lot easier to say this with one child than with, you know, multiple children. But this was like something that was like really baked into the culture of my parenting is like, if I'm going to do this, if I'm going to, if I am going to come at you with my best, which is what I am committed to do as a parent, 
I need to be operating by my bat at my best. I have to be taking care of myself. Of course I do. I'm not going to not eat. I'm not going to drink cold dregs of coffee. Like I'm not settling for the, like for the least, but in our culture, in our society, we are okay with moms feeling like shit and with them settling for the least. And to your point, we're like laughing about it. We're cracking jokes. We're like, this is the way it is. It's not the way it has to be. It's not the way it has to be. And in some situations, you know, granted, I'm speaking with oodles of privilege, what I'm, what I'm about to say. So this doesn't apply to everybody across the board, but sometimes it is as simple as you identifying your needs and communicating them. You know, sometimes we have to do the work of being like, who am I? What do I need? What are my non-negotiables? And now let's sit down and have a conversation with the appropriate parties, you know? Yeah. And I think, I think you've done a podcast on the, the determining your yes from your no. Was it one of your mm. business ones? Yeah. I was think it? So. That's an oldie. That's a, that's yeah. a deep cut. Uh, hi, I re-listened to that. You think <laughs> I'm like over here tooting your horn for no reason. No, this literally is how you've changed my life. I'm like determining your yes from your no, because again, and everyone go back and listen. I'll link that episode. It's so good because it's that basic question, like how you started this off, like not how do we set boundaries? Like what, how do I know my own needs? How do I determine my yes from my no? And how do I like communicate that? So I know you have work about this out there already and it's, everyone should just go listen to that because it's one of those ways of how do you find intuition? You have work on that as well. Like it's just, it is such a deep well of stuff to like wade through that it can seem overwhelming, but you know, it's your proof that it is worthwhile. You know, how you parent, how you show up, how you show up for yourself. It is proof that all dredging through all of that shit is really worth it on the other side too. Again, if we can't reprogram our generation, like let's, Let's install the next version with a little bit more, with more boundaries, <laughs> like with people knowing their own self-worth more than we were, have been shown our self-worth through the culture that we were raised in. So, yeah. And I would like to leave <clears throat> out with like an actual, like, this is, this is an assignment that I've tasked so many people out with. And I do it myself sometimes when I need a little refresher because my belief is that when I take care of me, everybody wins. When my needs get met, everybody wins. And I really, really, really believe that to be true. I live it as though it's truth. It's, it's, it's a good one for me. And so if you don't believe that yet, what I like to have people do is write down three examples of a of different times when, when you took care of your needs other people benefited from it. And that helps us to just kind of search for evidence that it's out there, search for evidence that it gets to be true. When I take care of me, everybody wins. Just keep looking for the evidence of that belief. The more you look for it, the more your brain is going to flag it and tag it as important and show you proof positive that, yeah, yeah, when I take care of me, everybody gets to win. Everybody gets to benefit. Yeah. And you know what? I'm going to tag on one more assignment to that. When you see another person setting and upholding boundaries, celebrate the shit out of them because we also mm -hmm. have that catty culture of like, oh, she thinks she's better than me or, oh, I, you know, blah, 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 blah. Like that catty negative, you know, cut the other person down kind of response. Let's get that out of the way too. And be like, look at you. I'm so glad you said no to that request. I, I give people ample opportunities just in my pelvic PT sessions. You can say no. You can say no. Please say no. Practice saying no to me. Does that bolster not feel good under your knees? It doesn't need to be there. Tell mm -hmm. me. Tell me what your body needs. Tell me all of this. And then I celebrate the shit out of them. Like I'm really like impressed that you were able to blah, 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 blah. So let's call people out when they do so well, you know, at setting these boundaries or leading by example or modeling or anything like that. Like because it's hard, you know, and it's, it's also another way to find proof positive. That person did it. Let's just scan the, not the world didn't end. Oh my gosh, it can be done. Congratulations, friend. You're doing it. You know, I think that's a really important piece of this too. If you can't find 
you know, all of the things in your own world right away. Cause it's hard. It's hard and it's heavy, but I love it's that hard homework. and it's heavy and it's worth it. Um, I definitely, my, my, I were so afraid of the fallout of setting boundaries and I've set some boundaries that, that didn't go well. You know, they don't, it doesn't, it's not always unicorns and rainbows, but honestly, nine times out of 10, it kind of is. And my life, my business, my family, my relationships have all deeply benefited from me having boundaries, being able to have needs, uh, identify them and communicate them with love and respect. Yeah, totally. Thank you so much for guiding, for teaching, for being such a wonderful teacher that you are. And I know that you have a course on boundaries that is available on your website all the time. So if people really want to start digging into the work with support, because you need support in this kind of work. I mean, it's not, it's not a go it alone kind of, kind of situation here. You need someone in your corner telling you like, yes, this is okay. This is, or I did at least, maybe not everyone, but for me. So I know your, your boundaries course, any other resources that you would want to point folks to for getting started in this kind of work or, if nothing else, just go follow her on Instagram if you don't already. But I feel like most of my audience does. Yeah, I think the boundaries <laughs> course is a really solid place to get started. There's a, there's a lot in there, and it there's um there's exercises, there's journal prompts, there's kind of like what to say. I will say that it was created at for practitioners and for business owners. That's why I created it. And then I ended up having people who are not business owners join. And so since then we've given, like we, you know, sold it to clients, like our, our clients get access to it. So even though it was intended for business owners and entrepreneurs and practitioners, um, it has really evolved past that. So I will, yeah. I will throw that out there. Yeah. Because boundaries are healthcare. Right. Indeed they are. That's, you know, and we could all be healthier, right? That's what we're all looking for. So definitely um, everyone should check that out. So, and yeah, thank you so much again for your time, for your wisdom. And the way that you synthesize things is just, I mean, it's just gold nuggets everywhere. Just boom, 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 boom. Like I've done this before or something. Like you've done this before. My goodness. So thank you. Thank Thank you you for having me on the show. I appreciate you. Thanks for joining me for this episode of the Functional Nutrition Podcast. If you got something from today's show, don't forget to subscribe, leave a review, share with a friend, and keep coming back for more. Take care of you.